0: Hi everyone, thank you so much for your continued support and for listening in as you do. I appreciate it enormously and I really hope you find the Iron Podcast to be of value to you and your lives in some way. Today, on a Monday, I've got something a little different for you to try out if you fancy it. Former Welsh rugby and British and Irish Lions leader Sam Warburton has a new show called Captains which is out now. It provides kind of the inside story of how some of the most successful teams come together, grow and conquer. Competitive sport for me, it has the capacity to offer insights into alternative and exciting ways for relating to life and experiencing. It always has. It's not a one way street. It works the other way as well, though. But revelations that come from the pitch and from performing in teams, I think, can be inspirational fuel for helping us respond to daily challenges and to enhance our relationships. And this is what Sam and his guests uncover on this show, I feel. So treat yourself to a listen. Sam's a lovely guy in my eyes, humble, and I think on a genuine mission. If you enjoy his podcast, then head on over and give it a follow. I recently guested on this podcast, Captains with Sam, for an episode and that's going to be dropping fairly soon. It was an awesome conversation, including loads of stuff that I've previously never spoken about. It was properly exciting. But that's enough from me. Here's Sam Warburton chatting to Chris Robshaw about resilience, World Cup heartache and Six Nations standoffs. It's a good one. I hope you enjoy it. What would be some of the lows then of being England
1: captain? Yeah, look, in, in all honesty, it was that World Cup, the 2015 World Cup, where obviously we'd gone in, and I always say that World Cup was the highest point I've ever had in England, shirt, leading the team at Twickenham, opening the yeah. ceremony, all that kind of, thousands of people there as we got off the bus, all that kind of stuff, to two weeks later, a decision I had to make went wrong. Losing to you guys, to then going to Australia, losing against that, having a press conference after. I remember crossing paths with you and. You and Warren, as you guys came out, and we were obviously you guys were happy and we were kind of went in, myself and Stuart and the following week as well, similar with Checker and I think it was Hooper at the time, we were ghosts. We we were ghosts kind of going in and we were we were very much lambs for the slaughter. You remember how big that room was, a hundred, two hundred kind yeah, of media yeah. outlets, cameras flashing, being heckled, all that kind of stuff. And and that for me was the darkest it ever got. I was dead behind the eyes for a long, long time. I was going through the motions. I was being written about in the front and back of papers. Um, I never thought I'd play for England again, let alone captain them again. To to do all that was horrendous. And I I remember kind of waking up, that was the darkest it that ever got. And it put huge pressure on my family, my loved ones, my friends and all that kind of stuff. And what was really important for me at that point was that my friends and family were brilliant. But they hadn't experienced what it was like and you know what it's like when you go through that you're in a fog you you can't see clear you think everyone's looking at you and scrutinize you and and all that kind of stuff and i remember after we lost to australia and i had an email from sean fitzpatrick that just said look nothing anyone can do or say at this point is going to make you feel better but a sun will come up again it might not be tomorrow it might not be next week it might not even be next month but it will come up again and you will be okay And I think with a lot of these things, sometimes you just need a bit of time. You need a bit of time to go through things. You need to grieve. You need to mourn. And I did. And I remember we actually, when we played you guys at Twickenham, it was the first game back in the Six Nations. Again, we'd been on the road twice. It was a middle game. And as you can imagine, everything was coming up about that game. The emotions, yeah. there was still a lot of the squad who were involved in that game. It was all, is it about revenge? And of course, behind closed doors, it was for us. It was all about revenge and making amends and all that kind of stuff. And we just about won. And I think George North literally had stepped on the line and luckily we escaped. We won, won a game. And we're doing a lap of honour, that game. And I just broke down in tears. I just broke down in tears and I, I just had to go in and change it. I didn't want people to see me. I, I didn't deal with it in the right way. I went and changed and I literally cried for about 15 minutes and I remember a lot of the England side. Is that just, relief? Re, exactly. It was a relief. Exactly. It just came out. It just came out of me. Relief, yeah. And I remember a lot of the England guys and Farrell and Haskell and all the, a lot of the guys who'd been there and done it saying so we didn't realise how much it actually affected you because I didn't share it. I bottled it all up. I didn't deal with it in the right way and it was almost like a bit of a bit of closure. And of course, we then went to Australia, and won that series in the summer, which was kind of a bit yeah. of closure towards that year. But yeah, that was that was definitely the toughest period I've had as a, as a player in, in my whole professional career.
2: I remember I was under a massive amount of stick as a captain, very similar to yourself. And obviously, you know, obviously, I got sent off, which cost us arguably the World Cup final. So I, I felt that enormous responsibility that I lost as the World Cup um, four years before. In those losses, like say in, in the World Cup, when you got knocked out, what were you like on those days off and how did you escape from being England captain? Because I imagine it was just so all-consuming, you just couldn't get away from it.
1: Yeah, post that, I, I became a recluse. I didn't want to leave the house. I wanted to draw the curtains. We we live in, a, like I said, in Wandsworth, which was quite a, a rugby-ish area as well. I remember going to the post office just to post something. And I remember the post office just going, why were you guys so shit? And I was like, wow, okay. I was like literally just post a letter. And and like I had a lot of those moments, a lot of those moments which I I couldn't escape and I felt like and I think once you go through those moments you like I said, that fog gradually clears. It takes time, but it does gradually clear. And a lot of people were there for me. And I remember at the club. I was I was going through the motions. I was good enough to play, and I was getting through games and all that kind of stuff. But I wasn't I wasn't enjoying it for a long, long time. But it took me it took me a, a really long time to get through that. And look, it's, it is a scar I'll always wear. Whenever we speak about World Cups, there's there's always that shame that will that will live with me for that. And which of course will be part of it. But I think with that you you must learn, you must grow and you, you can't just have that, that black hole in you. There aren't many players out there in in any sport or any in rugby in particular who haven't had the success without the failure. Whether we talk about it as much, but there's, there's still something there which has driven them on. And for me, it's about helping people with that journey.
2: Was there a moment after that World Cup where you could feel the fog lift or your perspective had, had finally changed?
1: I think in terms of... That that instant fog was. I remember we went to Exeter again. It was probably about eight weeks after, and we played down there. And our head coach, John Kingston, at the time, and just said, "Look, enough's enough. We know it's terrible. We know it's horrendous. We've been here for you. We're here for you. But we need you now." And I just thought, you know what it is like. I, I still wasn't quite back, but I was like, you know what? I I need to. I'm now impacting others. I'm impacting the rest of my team and I, I always wanted to be a team person, a team first, all that kind of stuff and I'd have gone against that sub, well, subconsciously and that was a massive moment for me and I, I actually played really well. It was a, the best game I, pl- I played kind of probably since since the World Cup and stuff and sometimes you need hard truths. Yeah. He, he could see I'd had my grieving, I'd had my moment but in terms of proper closure, it, it's something that I'll always have but then we went to Australia that summer We won our first game, the second game was my 50th cap. Uh, We ended up winning an incredible game in in Melbourne in the rain. I think we won like 15-8 or something, defensive efforts. I was man of the match and and Jason Leonard, a good friend of mine, presented me with my silver cap. With England, you get a little silver cap when you get to 50 appearances. And all the boys just chanted my name in the change room. We had beers and we just celebrated and you you know what? I was like, this this is it, I'm kind of clear now. And like I said, it is it is something that will always be part of me and I won't always speak about it with World Cups and stuff. But for me, that moment was, the, the fog has gone. That's nice. And I was I was so, because again, it was, it was such big moments against you guys in the Six Nations and of course them who, who were the team that ended it. So to go there and beat them 3-0 in a series and to win my 50th there and all that kind of stuff was, and see how pleased the guys were for me as well. Uh, was just incredible.
2: As we're wrapping up now, you've obviously gone through so much. If a young Chris Robshaw, you know, you're, you're a coach now, imagine hypothetically you're a coach now of Queen's Academy and there's a young Chris Robshaw walks through the door and goes, Chris, what advice would you give me about captaincy? What would you give him?
1: When I think, to and I speak to youngsters now, I say that the biggest thing that you need to have is resilience. For me, it's you're, you're going to have some incredible times, but unfortunately, there's going to be some tough and testing times along the way. And there's there's no player, and there's no sports person who's gone far without setbacks. and And I, I had a, a fantastic saying from Justin Langer, obviously the Australian cricketer. And like I said I, I like to listen to podcasts and stuff. And he said, in in tough times, you need good people around you, and you just need to hang on in there. And, and that's what it is a lot of the time. You just need to hang on in there because the tough times do pass and you need to make sure you're still around, you're still in a good place and all that kind of stuff to make sure that when they pass, you're ready to kind of keep on going. So, yeah, I'd say to a younger myself, like, resilience is key. Like, work hard, enjoy the moments. But when you go through those tough times, just just hang on in there because they will pass and there will be good times again.